It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals postgame edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. As we'll look back at the Bengals' um, strange and I guess not surprising 37-34 loss to the Cleveland Browns, the aftermath of Carlos Dunlop, um, and just so much more. Um, Rick, I, I they score a touchdown with 106 to go, and Paul Daner Jr., my friend, sits to my left in the press box, socially distanced by three or four seats. And I turned to him and just looked, and without saying a word, he just laughed. He goes, don't do it. Don't. I said, there's too much time. Said they're just a, said they're getting a field goal attempt, right? He goes, Oh yeah. I said, not getting a touchdown. And he goes, Well, and they got it. I mean, how do we it's not that we know, but how do we know? With all due respect to your Nostradamus skills, anybody in the 275 loop who was watching that game was saying the same thing. I realized that if you yes. have watched the Bengals at any point during the last two decades, you knew exactly how that game was going to play out. And it was funny because I was watching the game with a small group. And one of the guys got there at the end of the third quarter. And as soon as he walked in, he says, boys, it's going to be one of them games. Whoever gets the ball last. Mm. And he had no idea how right he was going to be because it was the first game ever in NFL history with five go-ahead touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Crazy. I mean, one punt between the two teams, the Bengals don't punt at all and still lose. How about you don't punt it? Granted, you know, they, they turned it over twice, but it wasn't like they turned it over seven times and didn't punt. Two turnovers is a is not, is not a great NFL game, but it's not an awful NFL game. And, you know, one of those uh, one of those turnovers ended up actually not costing them because the Browns turned it over two plays later, and the other one only cost them three points. So the turnovers didn't even cost them, and they still find a way to lose. It's impossible. Yet at the same time, exactly what you'd expect out of the Cincinnati Bengals, especially in the year 2020. Skitty, let's. Do you want to start with the the nonsense on the sidelines and off the field after sure. the game, or do you want to start just, with the competence? No, yeah, I think that's where everybody wants to talk about. So you start there, and we'll, we'll we'll digress. It's funny. No, I tell you, I tell you, well, actually, we won't digress. We'll go to a better place, which is the game from where yeah. we're about to start. Which is surprising to say about this yes, team, exactly. but it's the case here. We'll start here. Did you ever think you'd be covering Twitter and Instagram comments of players in this manner while working the beat of an NFL franchise? It, it is part of it, but usually it's very cryptic. Usually it's days off, off season. I'm not sure I've ever had a guy do it probably from the locker room or his car because it was during the Zoom interviews and it might have been during Zach's, which is the first one. If not, it was during Burroughs, which is the second one. It was during Zoom interviews where Carlos Dunlap drops the whole, I'm going to sell my, my house is on the market tweet. Yeah, he and said so, uh, serious it, inquiries only, furnished or unfurnished. Fun, fun, have, better have funds, something <laughs> like that. So basically, you better bring some cash or have cash on hand or at least be uh, liquid enough to buy this this thing. That's the part that I I just can't believe that that took place in a locker room or like I said, his car. Maybe he got home if he didn't shower. Maybe he didn't because he sucked and he didn't play worth a damn anyway and only had 12 snaps. So maybe he didn't feel he needed a shower. Serious, sure inqu- serious inquiries only with proof of funds. 
Proof of funds. That was it. Proof of <laughs> proof, proof, proof of, funds. of funds. Well, I would hope you'd have proof of funds. I just don't can't imagine I can walk in there with 15 bucks and go, I like this HUD. How about I take it from you, my friend? I'm not exactly sure how the house buying process works, uh, but I, I thought there was a little bit more paperwork that was involved than just showing up with proof of funds. Yeah, maybe proof of funds. He just signs the title over. Doesn't He doesn't cuts out the middleman, which is the closing agent, and says, the hell with it. Good. It's your place. No one's getting their 3%. <laughs> no, exactly right. Carlos is getting his, though. <laughs> He got it. So he tweets out that he's selling his house, all this, and immediately following it, you have Tyler Boyd saying, suck a los, and Joe Mixon saying, let me get that crib. <laughs> See, the thing about Joe Mixon, and I'm fully convinced because as you recall, I mean, what, he, he's uh, homeless. He needs a house. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, he, he, um, on Saturday, cause we had some more social media nonsense. We had Carlos on Instagram, you know, tweeting the, uh, or, or not tweeting, actually putting an Instagram, the, the depth chart where he was not happy about me moved to third team and Joe Mixon shows up in the comments. I, I'm just fully convinced that, that Joe, Joe likes to troll both sides just to see what, I think he's messing with everybody the whole time. So anything Joe puts in there, I don't take very seriously. I think Tyler was genuinely pissed and, and he had to answer some questions during the post game. I don't think he realized at the point we were asking him what was put up. Um, and I think it angered him once he went back and maybe looked at it and went, man, that caught me off guard and that's not fair to me. And um, suck a los. And I think that's exactly what he felt. I, from what I understand, I have not looked here, Rick, we're doing this, um, you know, later on Sunday night, I just got done writing about a three-hour column, so I've not looked. From what I understand, I think Tyler took those words down, but neither here nor there, everybody saw him. So we know they were up. We know he was ticked off or whatever, or just poking at him. I mean, what what is I, – I, I mean, I guess to cut to the chase, I don't want to cut you off on the topic at all because it is such a crazy, fascinating, everybody wants to talk about a topic. I think we've now reached the end game for Carlos Dunlap where – I don't want to give a guy his way who's who's literally basically crying like a child to get out. And this is kind of the Drew Rosenhouse way of A.B. and and T.O. and name any clients he's had that try to get out. But this is what it is. This is a kid acting like a child trying to get out as best he can for whatever reason, whether it's usage um, wanting to play for a better team, whatever the situation is at the end of his career, probably frustrated. And I'm not one to give in usually. I usually would say to that guy, to hell with him, put him on the inactive list and let him rot. I don't care. But at this point, I think tomorrow, and I I, I said this on the Sports Authority on Sunday night, I you have to cut ties. It's time to say that's it. I And if Mike Brown doesn't do it, then if I'm Zach Taylor, I actually honestly might resign. I know that sounds stupid and it's it sounds gallant and it's not going to happen, but I, I can't. I can't deal with this any longer. And if the guy's not going to take my back in the front office, like Mike Brown to hell with him, because I, I can't coach this guy anymore. And at this point with him tweeting out, you know, the depth chart before a game, you can cut him, release him for conduct detrimental to the team. And you don't have to pay him. Right. I, yeah. I don't think but you, you have to make a case, him. I guess, but yeah, I, I think you could, I think you'd certainly find him. You could certainly suspend him. And yes, it would probably go before an arbitrator, um, et cetera. So I, I think Carlos would probably win because he really didn't give anything away other than he got dropped to third team. He didn't give away secrets, but you're right. It's an interesting concept and you're not the first one to say that. So it is interesting, but what about just uh, suspending him indefinitely? You don't give him what he wants. You get the cancer out of the locker room and you just let them sit there on the vine to rot the rest of the year. And, well, and remember, remember they did that with Cordy Glenn last year and Cordy was trying to milk that concussion for all it's worth. And I don't say that lightly, as you know, 
I, I mean, I think concussions are obviously uh, certainly a real thing in the league. And you no, know, but we guy, all know what was going on with Cordy Glenn. At a yeah. Point, you know, yeah. What, what, yeah. But one guy can heal in one week and one guy can heal in three weeks. So there's no perfect answer to a guy with a concussion. Um, but I, I will say that, that, that in Cordy's case, he milked it. And from what I understand, he got multiple doctors saying, you're good to go. You're good to go. You're good to go. You returned to practice, dogged it. Jim Turner, I'm going to guess, because he's the guy he got in a fight with. Didn't have any of it. Don't blame him. If I'm a coach and a guy comes back and dogs it and you realize what he'd been trying to do, I'm not standing for it either. Um, and I know it's, you know, I coach freshman basketball. I don't coach NFL football, but it's kind of the same. Coaching's coaching to some degree. You're either going to stand for it or you're not. He didn't. Got in a fight. I think that's right with Carlos. And, and so – like I said, I don't want to give in to that guy. I mean, if it was me, you know me, I'd, I'd have him run steps until he couldn't stand straight. You can't do that to an NFL player. Um, but, you know, at this stage of the game, I can't have him around the rest of my team, especially if, and please don't, don't, don't mute me, especially if you're trying to establish culture. And I think that <laughs> continues to be what we, we, we've, but I, but I know it's like, you're, you're right to laugh. I get it. But the, but the more I've listened to that and looked back on that in the last two weeks, I think he's sp- speaking about some specific players. I think he's speaking about Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins and John Ross um, and Cordy Glenn from last year. I think he's speaking about those things without rolling guys under the bus. And that's the part for me that I, I just, I, I get not rolling a player under the bus. I do all, I get all that, but it also leaves you confused as a fan and even as a journalist, right? That, you think you know, but it's so cryptic that you don't know. But then you do know. You know at some point, if we're an adult, I'm going to call you out as an adult. I'm going to say, listen, this guy's not being an adult. This guy's being a child. He's acting like a child. And you know what? I'm tired of treating him like a child. And so I, I either either the front office cuts him or something else has to take place. But I'm not going to play him. I'll make I, I'm surprised he wasn't inactive today. I'd have made him his ass inactive and embarrassed him even more. And that, that if to me that 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 should have embarrassed him. It won't because he's just cashing a check at this point in the game. He's an embarrassment, a slug and a punk. And I'm disappointed in Carlos Dunlap because I really did like him for a long period of time. I don't anymore. Well, and I don't know if we mentioned it, but he was even seen on the sidelines fighting with right. one of the coaches and he had teammates holding maybe him back. Mul- may- and maybe multiple coaches. From what yeah. I understand. And it's like Here's the thing, like we're going to get, you know, Joe Burrow 10 years from now when he's playing for another franchise or whatever, um, he'll go on the Pardon My Take podcast and do a nice <laughs> loose interview. And hearing about these first years and the dysfunction inside this locker room, I have a feeling is going to be incredible from a young guy's perspective, looking like looking back on it, because think about what this rookie who is an absolute star is going through right now watching <laughs> you've got teammates calling each other out in Twitter and Instagram comments, a coach who is clearly going to be fired at some point. Who's just playing out the string and no one respects. It is a, a very weird situation. And by the way, mentioning that the respect factor, I've seen it put out there that like, because some of the guys have kind of gone against Carlos Dunlap now that it means Zach Taylor hasn't lost the locker room and that he, guys do I, have his I, back. I, I, think I totally disagree to that. with that. That's, no, I think that's I, no, I, garbage. No, I, I, you I don't think have this situation. Guys respect you enough. If you haven't lost the locker room, he has lost the locker room. I don't just think because he has. a couple, just because he has some good guys in locker room that want to win football games doesn't mean that he hasn't lost the locker room. Cause no, this just I, doesn't I, happen. I, I think that there's a lot of guys that believe in him right or wrong. I'm not sure they should. I'm not sure that I agree with it, but, I, but I think, I, I think a lot of guys understand he's did. And I think Gio Bernard said it great today. He's dealing with a lot of crap. And I think Gio realizes that unfortunately 
The one thing that Marvin Lewis was able to do was have some cachet with this stupid ass old owner who has no clue what he's doing, has never had a clue what he's doing. And so I think for, for Gio, he realizes Zach wants guys like Carlos gone and can't do anything about it. And therein lies the dysfunction of this organization as it's been for the last 30 plus years. You have a doddering old fool who has no clue what he is doing, tying the hands of everybody else. And I think I, I, I was on a, uh, 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 message uh, uh, message thing uh, with, with some text message thing with some friends that cover the league. And uh, we were talking about this Saturday. I mean, this is a probably a terrible stat, but it's an interesting stat to me. Take the one year before Marvin Lewis, the two years after Marvin Lewis, the Bengals are now five 33 and one. And it makes me go, damn Marvin. He did some things. Marvin was a goof. Marvin was a clown. Marvin was, was just a, different cat, but he actually had Mike's ear. And I think Mike, for whatever reason, was either scared of him, respected him, um, understood him, appreciated him. And now that he's not around, it's back to, I got control and I'm going to do things my way. I mean, I want you to put yourself in these shoes. If you were Zach Taylor and you've wanted Carlos Dunlap gone for weeks and maybe even before the season where he realized this guy can't play anymore and he's just going to check out and I can see it coming. Um, and who knows what he saw of him on zoom. Maybe it was worse than that. Maybe he didn't show up on any zooms. Maybe the guy checked out on zooms. We don't know. Cause we weren't on those zooms, right? Maybe that was the point where he went, all right, I, I, I want this guy gone. And Mike says, Nope, we're paying him. I want him around. Well, here we are. So how do you coach that Rick? I mean, I'm not trying to make an excuse for the guy. I'm not, again, I still don't know if the guy can coach, but I think he's dealing with an absolutely stacked deck against him because of this knucklehead of an owner. Look, I've been arguing that all along. Like I've been the one saying this offensive line, you expect a guy to get wins with this offensive line. And all I hear is one score games, his record in one score games, which I get whatever, but I'm fully on board with Zach Taylor has been dealing with a hand tied behind his back, maybe both hands tied behind his back. When you factor in the, the front office that he has to deal with, totally agree with all that. But up, up until this point, I've had his back to a certain extent with that. But over the last few weeks, it's very clear to me, the difference between now and prior to this is he has completely lost the locker room. There are guys, I don't that think he don't, there's guys I, that don't respect him. And the thing you mentioned about Marvin, but that's Carlos. Who else doesn't respect him? Carlos and Gino, right? Well, you go back Those to last year. You had you had Cordy Glenn. You have AJ Green on the sideline okay. saying he wants traded. You had I mean, and the, then AJ today talk, talk, talks about Zach in glowing terms, and I think oh, actually turned a finger at, 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 at Carlos. That's great, but you don't blow up and disrespect your team and your coaches like that if you really respect the guy. Because the one thing you point out is that Marvin had the respect to the front office, but he also had the respect of the guys. The guys weren't going to do that to Marvin. These guys will do that to Zach Taylor because he's lost the locker room. And you can say some of the guys still respect him i think what you actually have is some guys who are good guys who want to win football games who are calling out the clowns in the locker room that doesn't mean zach taylor isn't one of those clowns too no i i i don't think that's completely un, unbased on, on your part but i i think right now we're dealing with a carlos dunlap issue well, and the it's front office has uh, well let, let's knock that part out it's like no offense it's a cancer the cancer's right here. It's in that part of your body. Let's get rid of that, and then let's move to the next and see where we are then. Right. Maybe that clears it out. Maybe that cleans it out. Maybe it's already spread, and you got to deal with it It's even longer, even more. 
But right now, for me, tomorrow, Carlos Dunlap is no longer a Cincinnati Bengal. And you know what? Like I said, I I think it sucks that you got to give into this stupid guy. Um, But you're going to have to. And I, I hate it because I hate guys that act like this and get their way. But you know what? I guess that's professional sports, and he's going to have to get his way. I, yeah, I would. I would not let him back in the locker room at any point. If, no, if I'm Zach absolutely just, it not. Just can't happen. Not even chance. Yeah. So, all right. Let's let's move on from the Carlos Dunlap stuff because oh, to better it, things like the game. It was an interesting football game, a fun football game. I think if you're a fan with no rooting interest, sure. if you're a Bengals fan, we mentioned you knew how it was going to play out. But skinny, the bright side of this is Joe Burrow is fantastic. I mean, he is he is a superstar. He's stupid. Stupid good. Uh, you know, I mean, th- this is five games out of seven. He's thrown for over 300 yards. And some of that's product of the offense, product of the scores. He has to throw a lot. But he also has to throw a lot with, an, with a crappy offensive line um, with teams that know they can't run it, and he has to throw it. And that's the part to me that's impressive. He just stands back there. He takes his beating when he takes it. He escapes when he has to. Um, uh, the, 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 the scramble in that last drive where they took the lead, where he dove for the first down on the, on the 12-yard scramble, um, I, you know, he, I, I think I wrote it. He's, he was resilient, he was gutsy, and he was great. I mean, everything you would want out of a quarterback, he was. Uh, and, and that's the part that I think is promising is uh, you, you, there's no question that you're like, okay, that's the guy. I saw some people this week that made me laugh saying, well, if the Bengals can tank well enough, maybe they try to go for Trevor Lawrence. What, what are we doing? Yeah, why you would you do that? Yeah, you got your guy. You, yeah. are, are you kidding me? You got your guy. Now build around your guy. That's the key. That guy's really good. Yeah, now I, I made the – we were talking about all this stuff a year ago. And again, to be fully clear before I say this, I like Joe Burrow a lot, and I think the Bengals totally got it right. So I'm fine with what they did. But there was a time last year, middle of the college football season, when we were all talking about the quarterbacks, where I was of the notion that you take Chase Young last year because you needed a difference maker sure. in the pass rush, yeah. which is, and, and has we, totally we played out this year, by the way. Right. And no, people didn't think it was as big of a need last year at the time, but no, it's right. clearly become that. And then you, you, you're you going to still be a bad team, so you go for Trevor Lawrence this coming draft. I thought that was a, a decent plan of attack. I think it still would have worked out well for all the holes that this team has. But at the same time, you got Joe Burrow and he is blossoming better than you ever could have imagined while you have more holes than you ever imagined coming into this year. So, I, I mean, 35 of 47, 406 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, a quarterback rating of 112.5. He also snuck a touchdown in for the first touchdown of the game, six rushes for 34 yards. Skin, I mean, credit to the offensive line because even with Jonah Williams going out and, and guys moving around, they probably had their best game of the season today and it kept him upright more than he's been in the past. But he, he's just special. There's no other way to put that. He's starting to complete some longer passes downfield now and adding to his accuracy in the mid-range. It, he just the game is slow enough for him. He's not going through that transition period where everything around him is moving too fast. He's seeing it all right now. Yeah, the only game that I think we had skittish issues was Baltimore, and some of that was Baltimore did it yeah. to him. I mean, they just blitzed him into submission, and um, they rattled him, and that's going to happen to a rookie quarterback. But you give me the other six starts, those are all winning starts from that kid. He's played that well. Um, and you're right. I mean, the offensive line on, on, on the same series, you lose Jonah Williams and Trey Hopkins at the end of the half. You have to put Fred Johnson and Billy Price in. Then in the last series of the game, Bobby Hart goes out and you have to put Akeem Adeniji in and you had literally no other backups at that point. That was it. They were down to they had eight guys dressed and he was the eighth guy to play. And the funny part is in the second half with all the backups in, no sacks. 
First half, four sacks. A couple of them were on blitzes. A couple of them were Miles Garrett's just ridiculous. But, you know, no sacks in the second half. Yeah, you can argue adjustments with some chipping and helping out on Miles Garrett. But it wasn't like Joe didn't have targets to throw to then that they, you know, suddenly took somebody out of the pass route and he had less guys to throw to. I mean, he actually threw for more yards. Uh, actually, he was about 50-50, but they had, they had more yards as a team in the second half than the first half. So, yeah, kudos to those guys that came in. Would I want Billy Price and Fred Johnson and Akeem Adeniji to play 16 games together? <laughs> Probably not. But for a game where you had to call on them to do something, good for them. They actually did a good job. Yeah, and, and I don't even know if I would go as far as to say like they were good, but like for them, they played very well. It was, it was better though, than they've I been mean, in the past. They had 260 yards in the second half alone with no sacks. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. But I mean, I think part of that was they're, they're carving up this Browns defense. And, yeah, and, and so that's the Browns defense wasn't very exactly, good either. Exactly. Right. No, no that's, doubt. So uh, Tyler Boyd, 11 catches, 101 yards in the touchdown. A.J. Green, 7 catches, 82 yards. And T. Higgins, 5 catches, 71 well, the, yards the, in the, a touchdown. Yeah, the, the, the whole spread around it. I mean, you, you, went, you just went down the list. Boyd, 11. Green, 7. Higgins, 5. Bernard, 5. Drew Sample, 5. It's pretty good balance. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you've really seen all of a sudden now that A.J. Green is back into the mix and seems like he's trying a little bit and going after some balls and fighting a little bit. Now, all of a sudden, they have three solid receivers for Joe Burrow to throw yes. to, and this this offense looks even more competent. You're, you're not finding guys blowing anyone's doors off or taking the top of the defense, but they're getting enough separation, and he's accurate enough that he'll put it in a tight window. So it, all of a sudden, you're seeing a difference from this offense now that A.J. Green is playing a little bit more like a uh, – a wide receiver who wants to be out on the field. Yeah, no, exactly right. And he's playing very, very well. And, and Boyd is what he is. I mean, he's he's never going to be great, but he's on pace to basically set the franchise record. He's he's literally two catches off the pace. He's got 49. Uh, he'd end up with 110 if he's on that same pace. TJ Hushmanzada has the record with 112. So he's literally right on that pace to do it. Um, it, it that's the fun part to see. And, and, and honestly, the funny part is, if you would told me that some of this was going to happen for the year, I'd have thought this team would be three and three or four and three or three and four and not one, five and one. But, you know, you see a losing team make losing plays. You see Carl Lawson offsides on a huge third down. Literally the only incompletion other than the spike for Baker Mayfield in the second half was up the sideline on third and three. Now he took a shot probably because he knew the offsides happened, but it happened. And so he took a shot and it gave him an easy first down. Losing teams make losing plays, and that's what this team consistently does. And I just don't know how they snap themselves out of that, Rick. I don't. Well, I don't know that they're going to, especially with the lack of a pass rush. And pretty much all the losing plays in this one came on the defensive side of the ball. Yes. Baker Mayfield was 22 of 28, 297 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. He had a pass rating of 135.6, and the Bengals just absolutely couldn't get a stop after, what was it, the first drive of the game, first two, first they stopped him the first quarter at some point, right? I mean, yeah, he was he, he was yeah he was over five in the first quarter through the interception after they had intercepted the ball coming off the goal line. So yeah, there was a uh, Baker and Baker's dealing with a cracked rib, and it looked like honestly the first quarter he looked so bad he was making bad decisions, he was making bad passes, um, and then it looked like the second quarter early on they really relied on the run game heavily, and I thought, hmm, maybe they just are scared of him throwing the ball now, and then all of a sudden he starts ripping it. 21 in a row after the first quarter up until the time he spikes, it was 16 seconds to go. And then, Oh yeah. After the spike, he throws a dart to Donovan people's Jones for the touchdown over Darius Phillips. 
22 of 23 to complete the game with the only incompletion being a spike. That's embarrassing. If you just can't do that. Yeah. You you just can't do that. I mean, he played well. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Baker Mayfield. He was great, but that cannot happen to Mm -hmm. an NFL defense. I mean, Darius Phillips, he he had an interception early, but he he was absolutely torched the rest of the game. Awful. And, And the weird thing is, the last touchdown, he was the one in coverage on that final touchdown. It looked like he was in decent position, and then he turns around and lets the ball go right through his hands. Yes. No, I mean, it, it's it, like it, he can't it, play the ball at all. And, and he's a guy that, what, a, a Friday ago tweeted something about his lack of use or whatever. Shut up, man. Another guy who doesn't Shut respect up. the coach, by the way. Well, then, then, then honestly, start benching these guys. I don't care I if you bring totally up Tony agree. Brown for the practice squad. Bench them, cut them, whatever. Again, the problem goes back to the, f- the front office won't let you do what you need to do as a coach. They just won't. Von Bell, another guy that we've seen torched a lot in yeah. coverage, and he got torched again in this one. The Jermaine threat. Yeah, he's he's I mean, he he hits in the run game a little bit, which is great. But yes, you don't want your safety great. making all your tackles in the run game. No, I mean, so that's he, not really how about covering somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice if he didn't get burnt every time he was in pass coverage. The Jermaine Pratt touchdown where he was in coverage. They ran a little pick play there and he falls down and looks like a doofus on the. Yes. Play. Did you think he was trying to draw a call from the officials and like flail a little bit there? Or was he really that incompetent in coverage? No, it it happened so fast that actually when I looked up, I just thought he got, he got, he messed up. And that's bad. That was a bad look because Kareem Hunt was wide, wide open. That was silly easy for a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, where does this leave us with Lou Anarumo at this point? Do you think he is? Great question. Uh, a guy that they're they're definitely have to move on from. I mean, that would seem to be the case, but at the same time, it's like again, you're dealing with the situations you're dealing with. Uh, Carlos Dunlap doesn't even want to play. You have no pass rush. Where do you think the front office and Zach Taylor are at on Lou Anaruma right now? All right. Well, I'll tell you where I'm at. I think he's really good. I really and truly really? do. I think he gets it. I think he he's not an excuse maker. I think. And some of this is I, I just like guys that can try to explain things to us as journalists. Um, and not, to, not that he's a nice guy and he is, but just the way he tries to explain it. I don't think it's excuse making. It's, it's very sound. And you're like, okay, I get this. He tries to answer your question the best he can. And again, maybe that skews my opinion of him. I also think he's dealing with a, just a terrible situation. And we just talked about it. Think about the front four when the season started, Rick, this seemed like this was going to be the strength of the team, right? Yep. Right. Okay. Well, they, they thought that at least. Okay. Sam Hubbard hurt. DJ reader hurt. Geno Atkins turd. Carlos Dunlap, turd. Carl Lawson, average. Um, and you could argue that some of that is, how about, you know, how about some of those guys develop? I'll give you some of that. that that's fair. That's a fair comment for anybody to make to me. Um, then you go to the linebackers. And listen, I, Logan Wilson's been okay. Keem Davis Gaither's been okay. Jermaine Pratt's been okay. Josh Bonds has been okay. There's just not a playmaker there. Uh, the corners have been a disaster without Will Jackson. And, and today just felt like as soon as Will was not going to play, and I wrote it for my five things to watch that this is not a good thing. LaShawn Sims stinks. Darius stinks. And I, I, I really was had high hopes for Darius coming off of the year he had last year towards the end, but uh, he's, he, he can intercept the ball on occasion, but he's just not very good in coverage. Kenzie Alexander stinks. The only guy back there, Jesse Bates, and he gets run over every once in a while. So, you know, I, I think he's a pro football focus imagination, to be quite frank. I mean, <laughs> I think he's a good He's player. had some great moments. Great I mean, he's really made he's some, some plays. Good, yeah. He's had some good moments. I, 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 again, I think he's he's okay. He's, he doesn't do a whole lot for me. I think he's an okay player. He's not great. Von Bell stinks. Um, so we got to a lot of guys that don't play very well, right? Yeah, that's most of the starters, actually. 
Uh huh. Yeah. So again, is that Lou's fault or is that the fact that you just don't have a lot of good dudes and the good, the dudes you thought were going to be there either have been turds or can't play um, because they're hurt. And the problem is though, after a performance like the last two weeks, someone pays the price for that. And so it won't happen probably this week, but we're in the bye week um, and our neck the next week. If, if somehow Tennessee comes in and Derrick Henry just, trucks these guys i think lou doesn't survive now i say that knowing full well that lou has a three-year contract and mike brown god love him doesn't like to pay people not to work so there's a really good potential that lou sticks around but somebody's gonna probably have to pay the price for one six and one at the buy it ain't gonna be zach ain't gonna be brian callahan there's a lot of guys that ain't gonna be um but I feel it, it. It's got a chance to be Lou, and and maybe I'm wrong, but it. it, it and again, maybe they turn in a great performance against Tennessee. I just don't see it. So yeah, to be clear, next week they'll play Tennessee at 1 p.m., and then the following week will be that bye week. And you think that's when the I mean, that's typically when a lot of moves are made across the league is that bye week for a team. So um, I guess that I guess that would make sense to me. It seems like you kind of have to make that move at this point. The defense is getting. No better, and obviously there are a lot of reasons for that that are out of Lou Anarumo's control, but I think you're right. Someone's going to have to pay the price for Baker Mayfield completing 22 straight freaking passes in an NFL game. That just doesn't seem real. Who was the white linebacker that the Bengals lost this, uh, the tryhard that they lost to free agency this past year that was okay? Uh, I don't know about the tryhard. He was a tryhard. He's terrible. Nick Vigil? Nick Vigil, yeah. That's who Logan Wilson kind of reminds me of. Yes. I think he can be Nick Vigil, like an okay third linebacker if you have yes. a star around him. Uh, so, yeah, I just just thinking about the future of that linebacker position, uh, Jermaine Pratt might be an okay guy. Logan Wilson might be like an average guy. You need a star in the middle of that yes! linebacker and they, core, and they, they have nothing that looks like it. That's the thing. They continue to try to piecemeal this with third round, fourth round picks. Why do you think they're third and fourth? It doesn't mean those guys can't play eventually, right? That, that, I mean, yeah, there's been seven round player. picks. But that just, God, this is such a dysfunctional organization. It makes me want to vomit. They are so dysfunctional, and yet it's going to continue as is. And I mean, I love the fact today that 9,000 people show up when they could have done 12. And, and listen, I, I get that they said that, hey, it may be less because of social distancing. No, it was going to be less because you knew you weren't going to sell tickets because people don't give a damn. You have done this to yourselves. Screw you. So maybe we can wrap up with this. You look back at uh, all the close ball games that the Bengals could have, would have, should have won this season, this being one more of those. Yep. Very legitimately. I know this is a silly thing to say. It's dumb when when we do this as media members of saying, oh, this team is just a player two away from being whatever record, right? But legitimately, this team could very easily be five and one or six and one. Agreed? You know the six teams- and one. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go five and two. The Ravens game and honestly Cleveland the first time around. I mean, that, that they scored late. Let's I mean, Cleveland dominated them for the most okay. part. In game Fine. So, OK, we'll say we'll yeah. say five and two. But yeah, no, I'll give you I'll, I'll, and I'll grant you that. Yes. And granted, th- th- that's not going to happen, especially with a bad team. You're not going to win all those close one score games, but they legitimately really could be five and two. Would it be better for this team to be five and two, honestly, or are they in the position you'd want them to be in as a fan? In what way? Because they still have all these glaring holes. Even if they were five and two, they'd still have a terrible offensive line, no pass rush. They have major holes. Do you really want to put yourself 
in a spot where you're going to be drafting middle of the pack this year when you clearly need like a stud pass rusher or a stud offensive lineman or a stud linebacker? And you trust them to make a pick? Well, I don't. I mean, they, no, they I got mean, Joe Burrow. Dude, they, dude okay. And, and, and listen, while I debated this because it, it made for good copy and we we're in a pandemic and we're all looking for different copy things to do. And I was of the trade it and draft Tua and trade it and do this and look at this and first round quarterbacks, number one overall quarterbacks haven't worked out always the best in the world. They didn't get this wrong, right? Because this was too easy, too Agreed. freaking easy. Agreed. And and so, yeah, to me, I, 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 I'm of the ilk of. I just don't trust any of these people in this organization to do anything right. I just don't until you I don't either, until but until you do something different with people, I, I, they, they have proven it. And I go back to, I'm telling you, I'd love to. And as much as I dislike Marvin Lewis and he was a clown and a goof and I hated him as a media member, I'd love for him to do a tell all book of how much he had to fight his ass off to get some things done in this organization. Cause I got a feeling it was a lot. And I go back to, I still believe this to this day. I've talked to some people that I trust. He, so I think at the John Ross pick was such a Duke Tobin pick that at that point he went, okay, you know what? You guys do you, I'm going to do me. I'm done. And if you look, it almost felt like he checked out at that point. Now, listen, you're, you're a competitor. You want to compete as a coach, but you also realize I'm getting six mil or five mil a year, whatever it is. They're going to have to keep paying me. And so, you know what? I'll work as hard as I need to. I won't maybe put in the extra time. And, and I think that's where we hit of there was a little bit of a battle. And at that point, Marvin lost for whatever reason. Maybe it's because he hadn't won a playoff game and they thought, well, we'll do it our way. We'll win a playoff game. You do it your way. You don't win games, people. Mike, you don't win games. Katie, you don't win games. You people don't win games. Marvin won you a bunch of games. Marvin did a lot of good things. I don't want Marvin back, but Marvin did a lot of good things. So then you hire this clown as a coach, and here we are. I mean, like I said, if you go back to the year before Marvin, which was Dick LeBeau, 2-14. and 14. Zach, year after, 2-14. and 14. This year, one five and one that's brutal i agree with brutal i agree with all that but like it's not going away this is the reality we're dealing with so it's like we still have to talk about if the team's going to get better then i I, I quit being a fan i would i quit being a fan but but either way we still we're still gonna have to talk about it one way that's a good point so i mean like my, my, my only point is they have to get better so i don't trust them to make the right pick but their only two ways to get better are through free agency and and draft choices and from my perspective as a fan they aren't good this year, whether they were five and two and, and won some of these one score games or their their current record, which is one five and one or whatever it is. No, so that's a fair point. Yeah, that's I, a fair I, point. I, I'm, I'm honestly in the like, I'm a little bit excited by the fact that, hey, this offense is looking competent. Joe Burrow clearly looks like the star. They got that right. And they should have another top five draft pick this year. Coming. Right. But, but here's the thing, Rick. Go, go, so after this season, going into what would be the next offseason, in theory, you thought, Listen, I, I, we all knew that Carlos and Gino were on the back end, right? We knew it, but we didn't know they were completely on the I quit end. Um, but we thought they were on the back end. So we thought this offseason, go get you a right tackle. Get you another interior offensive lineman. Yeah, probably go get you another pass rusher just to add to the depth of that. Go get you a linebacker in free agency. Now it's almost as if you need another linebacker. Hell, you need two or three defensive linemen. Need me a right tackle. Need me a right guard. I mean, you need so much again that right. You're, you're that's back my point. To, you're, 
you don't want to be drafting but, in the middle of the draft if you need but, all these holes. But I don't trust. I don't. Again, this ain't. Even I know you don't trust. Them. I don't trust you, them either. You, you, you have to do this through free agency, and they okay. Just, but you got to do both. Like you're not going to get it all done in one year of free agency. We saw that they tried to spend a bunch of money this year, and they couldn't even get that right. So I mean, honestly, if if you told me that right now that Mike Brown would sell this team and somebody would buy it, and we'd start from scratch and we'd hire a Billy Bean type guy, and it would be two or three years to start the process, I'd do it. I can't keep going through the piecemeal. I can't. I can't keep going through Duke Tobin's bad drafts and bad choice. I can't do it. I'm done with it. I cannot do it. <laughs> I'm. I mean, look. No one from a Bengals perspective is going to disagree with what you're saying. You're absolutely right. I mean, they have been a disaster at evaluating, at drafting, at developing, and I don't see that changing necessarily, but I still want them to get as many chances to get it right as possible. So they luck into something that's either such a no-brainer like like Joe Burrow that they can't get it wrong, or by happenstance, they just happen to get one right. And, and so well, that's you know, what I'm hoping and, and, for. And, and you know what, Rick, though? Here's the thing. You could have done some of this, not a lot of this, but you could have done probably some of this last year at the trade deadline. Somebody was going to give you a third and a fifth for AJ, for AJ. Green. Right. I'm just telling you, they would have. This year, eh, I don't think so. They'll give you something. They ain't giving you a third and a fifth, but they might give you something. There's enough teams that probably need that. It, but I don't. But here's the thing. Do you trust them to make that deal? No. I mean, look, they've proven incompetent to do so, but like, that being said, you can't just sit there and say, well, I give up. I don't want the Bengals to ever have oh, any more opportunities the, to get better. The, the, the like, sad part is I, I think we're getting the point where people have. I think they've just, you know what? The, I think they had some belief in Marvin for a while and that things were changing and they were. But the last few years, I think, have just sapped the living daylights out of this fan base. I think they've just it just sapped them to the point of they don't care. And I think today proved it. Look, I know we're in COVID. I know the weather sucked. I know that supposedly the Bengals were, were, were doing less tickets than the 12,000 they were allowed. Supposedly, that's their stance. I'm not sure I believe it. Um, <laughs> but that supposedly they were doing that for social distance. I think the 9,000 today shows me that people just said, eh, good. I'll watch it from home. I'll, I'll watch because I'm a Cincinnati. We'll watch. And our TV ratings are still pretty good. And I'm glad for that. But I just think people have stopped buying in and, and, I just fear for next year if they have fans in the stands, if they don't make some significant changes, whatever those might be. And I mean, literally, it has to be front office. It has to be a legit GM with pedigree that fans go, yeah, yeah, you know what? I kind of didn't mind watching it from home. I liked going to games. I like dressing up like a clown and wearing somebody's stupid jersey and looking like a goof. I enjoyed that, but I don't, you know what? It's too costly for me to do that. I'll just drink my beer from home. I'll dress in my jersey like a goof. And then at the end of the day, I can take it off and take my first shower of the week. I mean, uh, honestly, I, I, I think we've gotten to that stage of the program. I really do. Just such a positive uplifting episode of the Bengals post game podcast this week. I, I will tell you the, the one group of people who are paying attention to the Bengals and who do like the Bengals skinny, you know who it is? Well, gamblers. And I feel exactly bad for them, right. you, gave, you gave the three and a hook today. Ooh, or, or I came back. If you got the three and a hook today, I came back. You won. That's yeah, right. If, if you've been no, better than the Bengals, they, they are, they are five or six, six and, and one, one against, and one the, against the number. This year. Yeah. I, I had a friend of mine though, that unfortunately laid the Browns in the three and a hook. That's why I just uh, said that. He should laid not do the that. Three and a hook. Yeah. That was a bad, that's a, I mean, I'm missing the extra point for the beat. Come on, this man. is, this is why I quit. I banned myself from betting on the Bengals because you get frustrated. You're like, this team stinks. You want to bet against them. And then they go and cover six of their first seven games. So yeah. You, yeah. this is, you, you don't bet on a team that you have emotions tied up in. And, and maybe that tells you how close they really are. Right. I mean, maybe it does, but you know what? You don't get close. You, there's no category for there's wins, losses, ties, and there's not a category for, 
how close you are. I don't even know what the, the, the initials for that would be. How close you are. H-C-Y-A. I don't think there's an H-C-Y-A category. I just don't. If so, they did, Zach Taylor would be a Hall of Famer. He'd be the greatest ever. He'd be, he'd be the he'd man. Be setting a new standard. So I think I think that's all we've got. That's all I got. I can't do this. This is making me crazy. But I enjoy doing it with you, Rick, Rick Boring. I we'll be back uh, Wednesday or Thursday of this week with our regular uh, Potpourri podcast. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, hopefully the Bengals can, um, I don't know, hopefully they can survive the rest of this season. I'm not sure what else they can do. I, I really avoid natural disasters occurring. I'm at a loss. I will say this. If Carlos Dunlap is still on this roster this week, I'll be stunned. I'm going to leave you with that. You might quit before Zach Taylor quits here. It seems like, <laughs> yeah, I can't do that though. That's what yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed. I need a paycheck. So, so Fair does enough. he, so does yeah, he, maybe, both of you, you might. know what, you know, maybe he can go coach, coach Kentucky. I'm done with them too. So maybe he can come coach. Oh man. I, I, how about if he came and coach Kentucky? That, that's I, for I, the podcast later in the week. Cause that's yeah, going to be another conversation. That's, that's a really good point. We'll leave it for that. All right. For Rick Borey, Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's been the skinny podcast. The Bengals post game edition. <laughs>